All right, so we are here with another episode of TTWC. Thank you for tuning in with Talking Truth with Camille. We're going to get into this tea, but first, I am super excited for this to be my first recorded show. Not just audio, but we got the video going too. And I feel like we're just getting to new levels here. I'm super excited. Um, my first guest is Miss Margaret Daly, Reverend Margaret Daly. And this segment is going to be Ask the Pastor, the very first Ask the Pastor segment. My very first guest, can it be anybody else but my mom? So say hi to the people. Hello, everybody. Such a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited for her to be here, and I just want to get right into it. So let's get into this tea. So, all right. So we're going to ask the pastor today about herself and being a pastor and everything having to do with how she became a pastor, all those things. So we're just going to get right into it. Um, so Miss Daly, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear all these questions that you have. <laughs> okay. So how was your day? Oh, I had a great day at work today and um, enjoyed the rain. I came home um, in record time mm-hmm. and safe and um, well protected. Praise God. Can't, can't be mad about that, right? Mm-mm. All right. So where are you from? Tell the people where you're from. Well, I was born in Jamaica in Manchester and um, I um, left there when I was a teenager and mm-hmm. went to school in Chicago, Illinois. And from there, I um, you know, came on down to sunny Florida because I was tired of the cold. Okay. Um, so what was it like in Chicago and do you miss it? Oh, Chicago was always cold. I love the summers. There's so much to do. There is um, school. There are outdoor activities. Lots of museums and shows. And it was always something happening, plus lots of good friends. So I loved it there. I just did not like the snow and the cold weather. <laughs> so you do miss it, but just not the snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do miss Chicago. Okay. I don't mind the snow for visiting, but for every winter for me to get hit with it, I wouldn't be able to handle it either. So I get it. It's the Caribbean blood, I do believe. So would you live anywhere else other than Florida? And where, if you could? You could move anywhere in the world. Where would it be? Anywhere in the world. Wow. Um, I think I'd take a, a stab at Africa. Mm-hmm. And then, Do you know which country in particular? Um, probably that Nigeria or mm-hmm. maybe even um, Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've had, I've had had friends from these places while I was in school in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I've had friends and they really um, laid down the framework for understanding those places and mm-hmm. and what they're like by meeting and um, being around those friends you realize that those places are interesting enough uh, for you to want to go there mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people have been running back to Ghana so mm-hmm. I was like um, you know they've been making it very easy not so much easy I don't want to say the word easy but they've been trying to make it where it is a nice transition to move from wherever it is you are from to Ghana Um, for anybody who wants to come back. (laughs) Yeah, I hear they are calling people back. They've made it um, very reasonable. Land is not too expensive. You can go and and do your own thing, your own business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people with entrepreneurial um, mindset are are going there. Another place that I would like to visit and possibly uh, know more about is Greece. Greece and mm-hmm. that's that would be your dream trip, Greece. Yes, I had watched um, The Great Gatsby while I was in college, and mm-hmm. um, 
we had some kind of discussion and mm-hmm. that just kind of stayed with me mm-hmm. over the years. So did it kind of sting when I went without you? Uh, no, not really okay. because timing is everything. Mm-hmm. You have to be in the time when you can appreciate it and at mm-hmm. the time I really don't think that I would have appreciated on there. Well, here's the thing. Maybe we can go for your birthday. Um, I just recently had someone who I linked up with on Instagram through, um, there was something that was posted and she had the guts to do some, to respond in a way that I would have liked it to respond, but I didn't want anyone to feel some type of way by my comment, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it was something somebody was posting and it wasn't really, it wasn't a good thing. Um, they, I feel like they've been kind of straight into thinking it was okay, but she was able to comment and leave that comment and I liked her comment and um she messaged me and she was like did you see my comment that I left I said yeah and I said girl I'm glad you said it because someone had to say it um what she's doing is wrong and um the way you said it was you worded it so perfectly it was so beautiful and um it was in a way that she wouldn't be offended and she would just be able to just think okay maybe this is something maybe I gotta do my research and see if this is something I should be doing and um, I just love that it was it just felt like a sisterhood it was just like you know strangers just being able to just say something to someone without them being offended it's a good feeling so we kind of became cool because of that and she just recently went to Greece um, and she walked in the footsteps of I want to say it was don't quote me I might might be totally wrong Solomon there was a disciple who went to Greece and um they their whole church went to Greece to follow the footsteps of that specific disciple. I thought that was really cool because I hadn't known that the disciples were all over the place like that. So I don't know what book of the Bible that is or what, but there is some type of check that they're that the churches are going to go take to go follow steps of this specific disciple, which I think is pretty cool to get to experience a new place and history mm-hmm. and w- witness it through your own eyes and match it up with what's in the Bible. So I think that it was pretty cool. So maybe we can look into doing that too, you know? Maybe Maybe we could go for your birthday and see. I don't know. Or just visit just to visit. (laughs) But um, yeah, Greece was amazing, I must say. It was a good time. I went to Athens, but we could go somewhere else. So figure it out. Tell me what, you know, we can figure it out and go. All right. I'll Um, hold you to that Okay, what is your dream car? Mm, I've always liked the BMW. And um, mm-hmm. um, years ago, I had the opportunity to test drive a BMW 6 PSI. Mm-hmm. And it just bought me over. It was just nice. Mm-hmm. Engineering, everything about it, it was white. It was my favorite you color like white for cars. cars. Yes. <laughs> And so, yeah, that's so that was always my favorite car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, did you want more kids? I know I'm, I'm the only child and I'm the best. <laughs> so there's just, once you have me, there's just nothing else you could need, you know? But yeah. did you want other kids? Uh, yeah, I would have had more children, but the opportunity was just not, uh, not there. Mm-hmm. And so um, you settle for... Um, the next best thing which is you have one child that is safe and healthy um, wise, fit and um, you know be regretful or you know try to force the envelope just mm-hmm. work with what you have okay mm-hmm. alright and um, what was your favorite time I know for me it's the 90s because that's what I grew up in although I didn't get to experience the 90s as an adult which I'm pretty sure was a great time um, I just, the 90s from, between, for the 30 years that I've been alive, the 90s for me was a great time. Yeah, I believe for me, the 70s going into the 80s were my great, great time. I was mm-hmm. in college and I came out, I moved to the other side of town, I had roommates, we partied, we went places. We just kind of just, our lives were just like constantly on the go. Mm-hmm. And we just just had a great time. Mm-hmm. I loved I loved the memory of those times. Mm-hmm. And 
um, I think those are my favorite times. I think you guys had the best music in the 70s, yeah. 80s. Yeah. The 90s was good too, but th- that was a good time for music, I believe. Yeah. I don't really know much about the 80s, but I find myself loving the 70s a lot. The afros, how colorful it was, the mm-hmm. hippies, the Black Panthers, you know, parts yeah. of people. The music was did you, clean and refreshing. Did and you consider yourself love. any of those things? Uh, yeah, it was all about love. Yeah. Like, but you weren't that. You wouldn't. You wouldn't relate yourself to a hippie or someone who was like a Black Panther. Were you one of those strong-minded people that were all about like Black power? You know, like that type of thing. No, I've never really. Um, stood on the place where I feel I have to defend my blackness. Mm-hmm. I've never taken that position. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of racism. I've seen a lot of um, misbehavior of um, people because I became a professional at a young age. I was a medical technologist at 19. And I would, when I'm in the hospital and I would go up to get people's blood or to deal with a patient, especially if they were old and Caucasian, they would look you up and down and try to figure out if you could do the job. And a few times I got um, sent away. You, you can't draw my blood. You're, you look like a baby. Would you? I don't want you to stick me with a needle. I feel like I would and, probably do the same thing. And I would have to go back to the lab and bring my supervisor. <laughs> and my supervisor would come up, and he was a big, burly um, uh, sergeant from the Army. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who actually taught me the best um, blood drawing skills, which we call phlebotomy. And he would um, go up, and he'd say, Mr. So-and-so, um, you know, I don't know, maybe people have missed your blood, your veins, and given you a hard time, but I guarantee you that you're not going to have that problem with this young lady because she's very good. I trained her myself. This is what I did in Vietnam. I drew people's blood and took care of their needs, and so I taught her she's going to do the best job. Mm-hmm. And then they'd give me their hand. And I would draw their blood and they'd say, are you done yet? And I'm putting on the band-aid. Okay. And, you know, you'd win them over. So, uh, yeah. But I never found myself at a point where I had to defend. And I never say to people, is it because I'm black? I never say anything <laughs> to people like, you know, you know, you think you're better than me and all of that. I never go there. Because I know what I believe about myself. And I know that the, never problem, let it bother you. the problem they have with me is their problem, not mine. Right. So I never really get into that. Okay. So you was just you just going through life just yeah, maxing was, and relaxing. <clears throat> yeah, door was open for me and I would continue going and going and going as far as that door was open and as far as the road would take me, I really wouldn't stop to smell the rose and to chat with you in your ignorance or whatever. I would just keep going. So mm-hmm. now I'm finished with college. Now I need to take my license. I'd just go take my license no matter what I had to so do. So basically you were just you've always just stayed focused on what your goals were. You didn't yeah. really stray and Mm-mm. think about this no. or let this bother Mm-mm. you too much. That's very strong minded, very strong willed. A lot of people can't really focus. So that's yeah. good that you were able to do that. Yeah, I've always been able to keep my focus when it comes to, you know, what I wanna do. That's great. Um, so, did you always want to be a medical technologist? Not really. When I was in school, my teachers kept telling me, you're going to be a great teacher, you're going to be a great teacher. And I said, yeah, because you know in Jamaica, the, the greatest profession is to be a teacher. And so, uh, we're all groomed to be teachers. If you're doing good in school, the teachers look at you and they start encouraging you to go um, become a teacher. So, I believe that. But deep down, I had a scientific mind and I wanted to be a dentist. And so um, I had gone to uh, sign up for Church Teachers College and they said, well, you couldn't do it till you were 17. Mm -hmm. At the time I was 15. So um, that's when I started to look to leaving and going somewhere else. And so that's how I kind of went after and got the visa to come to school here. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was asked what I want to study in school, I said, I want to be a dentist. 
And then uh, we went for the visa. But when I went for the visa, someone told me, you better not say you want to be a dentist. You better say you're, you're going to be a nurse because they're, they're, you're um, recruiting nurses to go to America, people to become nurses. So when the immigration officer asked me, I said, yeah, I want to be a nurse. And he says, oh, great, great. We need nurses. A and he dental says, nurse. And he, said, <laughs> and he said, so when you become a nurse, you're going to go back to Jamaica? I said, yes, yes, yes. But deep down, I wanted to be a dentist. So I took the visa and I came and I signed up for the nursing class because now that's where my visa uh, was and that the school know now that I was going to be a nurse. So I went and I registered for the classes, but I could not stand the nursing thing. I just did not. <laughs> what was it. it? I think you told me you didn't like the blood. I No, I just cannot work with a lot of different scents. Even today, oh, when I go under, she's water, always stressing me about different scents. What's yeah. the smell? <laughs> That's just how my body reacts. So even I'm, now, I'm big on I like room sprays, yeah, air fresheners. Yeah. No, she's or in candles. She's like, oh, all these smells in there. I can't stand yeah. it. She's really sensitive. But you, I thought it was because when she had were pregnant with me, it became more sensitive. But you yeah, always it became the- yeah, it became worse once you're pregnant. But. Um, <clears throat> Um, you know, even going in the hospital now, you smell certain different odors. By the time I come out, I am like almost out of breath. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes I would have like a wet tissue and I would just wipe my nose just to take away that, that you know. And then when I went in the lab, one of the things we had to work with was an autoclave. An autoclave is a big instrument that you put soil things in like if somebody had surgery the sheets were stained with blood mm-hmm. they put them in there and then they would turn up the pressure to a high like maybe um 200 pounds of pressure or whatever on it it would take out not only take out the uh, stain but it would also kill the parasites the bacteria and it would if a bacteria had pores and you wash it in the in the washing machine it would make any difference it would come out of the washing machine still in that cocoon Mm -hmm. and it would still be in your clothes or it could be even in something that you swallow so um the the autoclave breaks the shell if Mm -hmm. the pressure makes sure nothing is alive in there but that smells of various different odors based on what's in there Mm -hmm. and that made me sick so um Whenever it was time to autoclave, even if I had to set up the autoclave, I would go to break Mm -hmm. and I would have like perfume in my hand or, you know, something in my pocket to Mm kind of distract me from that, um, from that smell. So um, I did have a problem with that all the time. But, you know, um, when you're in the laboratory, Mm -hmm. you have less of that. So I um, left the nursing class the first class I took I knew it wasn't for me and it was just introduction to nursing and when they you know it's a small one credit hour class and when they told me all the things and the list everything and what I was gonna do I said this is not for me yeah and so I chose the lab um, well it was good that you got it that fast because some people (laughs) it takes them a whole semester or two or three or four for them to realize uh -hmm. this is not what I want to do no dropped it (laughs) before the time was up to so I could really use my credit. Mm-hmm. So then I went over and took the medical laboratory introductory course. Did you like that? That I liked because there was a lot of investigation going on in there and they're telling you what's in the blood, what's in the urine, what's in the cough, when you cough, what's in it, you know, and so that became interesting right away. Mm-hmm. But still in the back of my mind, I wanted to be a dentist. So <clears throat> I was still doing while I was doing the lab, I was doing the requirement for the dentistry, which later on uh, had to, you know, uh, turn from that too. So I remain with the lab and I'm in the lab now. I've been in the lab now all my life. So why did you turn from the dentistry? The dentistry, because I was a, a foreign student and I had to pay out of state fee. The oh. dentistry was very expensive. And the first thing, when I went to the first interview, um, they told me I'm going to need a microscope and I'm going to need to, and they gave a me a lot of list expensive of expensive equipment. things. 
And I said, okay, I cannot. There is no way I'm gonna be so able to. So why do didn't this. you somewhere down the line after like, um, you know, once you're in your field and you start making some money, you didn't think, well, maybe I can get into dentistry now or after getting citizenship, stuff like that. Like, I, saw, I thought about it and I wanted to do it, but I still wasn't eligible for any grants or anything. Mm. Well, that's not so fair. <laughs> I was still on my student visa till mm-hmm. I graduated, and then uh, eventually I became a permanent resident. But um, by that time, I was pretty much entrenched in this field, and I had settled on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there another job? If if you could do anything now, what would it be? If I could do anything all day. And um, you had the money for school, money. you had the time, something you're passionate about and love enough. What would you I'm passionate about teaching about children, mm-hmm. and um, I've always remained with children. I've always um, find that that common ground with them. And so even when I couldn't do the lab, I used to do substitute teaching, and I really enjoyed it. And at one time, I considered just um, converting to being a middle school teacher because I kind of like the middle school to elementary age children. You can still uh, help them. You can still um, get them to see what you need them to see without all the rebuttals and all the buts. And, you know, they are still very teachable. Mm-hmm. And so I like I like um, elementary to middle school, and I I think maybe I like elementary better. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we could get you a school at some point, and we could just have it mm-hmm. and be the principal <laughs> or headmistress. Well, they I call tried it, right the, headmistress. Yeah, I tried my hand at um, tutoring. Um, one I'm year. talking a whole school. You know, it's a whole school. I, I like that. Um, I thought about doing a schoolhouse where you have a nice big house and you have various rooms. Like if you have four rooms, you have four different age, four different mm-hmm. class. I think pre-K would be great for you up to maybe like second grade or so. Yeah, yeah. That would be something cool to do. Mm-hmm. Um, would you ever get remarried? I've always um, um, I've always been interested in remarriage and I would get remarried but it just never happened so mm-hmm. well yeah. it's never too late I say yeah, it never <laughs> is I just um, seen these this 90 year old something couple just get married I'm like if they can get married at any time I can get married at any time I'm like 90 something and y'all still out here at that point, mm-hmm. I feel like you're just looking for companionship and just someone yeah. to love. So I think that's beautiful. Yeah, because people have different requirements for marriage. Some mm-hmm. people want to have children. Some people don't. I some mean, it's too late for them at 97 <clears throat> if they don't have them already. <laughs> Even some young people, they want to get married, but they don't want to have children. Mm-hmm. They don't see where children fit in their life. Yeah. And later on, they may change their mind. But mm-hmm. marriage has... A requirement and uh, I would say different requirement for everybody yeah so um, what was your biggest lesson in life um, my biggest lesson is that time waits for no one mm-hmm. and um, it may seem like you have a whole lot of time but really you don't I be telling people that all the time I promise you you, you, you. life is moving on the clock is turning and the time is advancing, so you have to be mindful of where you need to be at what point in your life where you and be. where you want to be, and you just have to uh, make it happen and go for it. Right, because, I mean, you're sitting around waiting to get stuff done, and yeah, it's not life is passing you by, and you look up and you're 50 years old and you haven't gotten anything done. Right. You haven't reached any of those goals you yeah. set for yourself. And... You know, time waits mm-hmm. on no man, right? No, it doesn't wait. Um, oh, do you yeah. regret anything? Do I reg- have regrets in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're young, you're quick to make decisions and you 
um, you may not see uh, way down the road. You see a little down the road, but you may not see way down the road. So there are decisions that I've made that um, I would probably um, would probably be different had I, you know, taken some more time mm-hmm. to think about it and to, you know, you know, uh, sleep on it mm-hmm. instead of being uh, hasty. So would you change anything? Uh, would I change anything in my life? Um, I think I would have um, been more open-minded to like travel mm-hmm. and to study abroad. At one time, I wanted to study abroad, but I didn't do it because sometimes reality kicks in and you say, wait a minute, I won't know anybody there. Uh, what if something happens to you? What, what are you going to do? And so sometimes, you know, reality kicks in. But really, it's best for you to um, maybe put it down and come back to it another day. Set a goal and a time to get back to it and not just let ideas roll off. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that I wanted to do was to do Peace Corps uh, uh, work, Peace Corps work. Um, I had a teacher, well, several teachers in Jamaica, and they came to the courts. And I thought, wow, they came and they helped us, and they lived right in our neighborhood, and they, they made friends, and you couldn't tell they were not from there. And when the school was out, they would go home and then they'd come back and we enjoy having them and they enjoy being there. And when they left, I remember teachers just not feeling good having to leave, mm-hmm. you know, and I would have loved that experience, but I didn't get it done. Okay. Well, I mean, sometimes it's not too late. Yeah. Maybe you can't do the exact thing you want to do, but maybe mm-hmm. something similar, you know? Yes. Mission trips. I've mm-hmm. gone on mission trips, and I like those. I'm looking to do more of those. Okay. Um. So, did you have a lot of friends? In school, I had a lot of friends in uh, Jamaica, yeah. And um, when I left to come, um, they had me a party. They threw a party for me. They gave me a cake. They signed a card. I still have that card somewhere here. Oh, wow. <laughs> I still have that card. And I would write them. And I remember when I wrote my whole class, my class had 40 kids in that. um, Because we were a pioneer for the junior secondary program in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And so if you, when you got to grade nine, Mm -hmm. the grade 10 was a limited uh, class pool. So what they did, they took the best students from all the various grades nine classes because there were nine a b c all the way down and so they would take the best students that had scored the highest on the final exams and the teachers recommend and they would put them in that grade 10 class and it was only 40 people and i got called back for that and so i was um in that class and um from there um i started to see uh, various paths Mm-hmm. In, in my life because I was experiencing all these various classes and these various mm-hmm. um, books I had to read and my study got deeper. And um, So, but like with college and stuff, you found, you feel like you had like a lot of friends and all that stuff. Like, yeah. So that, I mean, I, I consider had, myself more of like a loner, but I can mm-hmm. be friendly. I'm very friendly. So yeah. it's like, do you feel like you're... Yeah. So then I started reaching out and I had more friends at school, but I also had... Um, Pen pal. I had mm-hmm. pen pal here, at pen pal in jail. I started um, writing and making friends with people cold. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had a lot of friends when I came here. And so when I came to school here, imagine coming from having a lot of friends to having none. Yeah. And the only friend that I really could relate to here was a girl that I had made a pen pal from I was in school. My you know, I had told my mother I wanted a pen pal and she asked at the church and this one lady said, I have a daughter that's in school and she can be a pen pal for your daughter. And so she sent the information and I wrote her Jeanette and Jeanette kept writing me back, mm-hmm. Jeanette, 
explain. And she kept writing me back and I kept writing her. So after I got here to school, I got to meet her. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't blossom into a great friendship because by that time now she was older than me. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, she wasn't living in Illinois anymore. So she oh, would just okay. come. And when she come, we met. But And then so now after college, I had a lot of friends too. Mm-hmm. In college, I had international friends from all over the world because I went to the YMCA college. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't know YMCA had a college, but they had a college in Chicago and they recruited students from all over the world. Mm-hmm. People people applied from all over the world. And um, um, I, I'm not even sure how... Um, well, I guess I do know. My mother had a classmate living in Chicago mm-hmm. and her daughter was going to the YMCA college and mm-hmm. I don't know how she knew about it but she was going to the YMCA college so when my mother was asking uh, where where does your daughter go to school and then she get, got the information and so that's how I applied for that school they accepted me and I came and I found that it's the greatest school that I attended because there were students there from every nation. Mm-hmm. The so there was, wasn't a, oh, you're new to the country, you're weird, no, or anything no, like that going no, on. Everybody no. was weird. Everybody yeah. was from out of country. The school, <laughs> it was 75% um, international students. Oh, that's a lot. Wow. Everybody in your class were from And what school was that? The YMCA College oh. in Illinois. Everybody in your class was from another country. The Americans. YMCAC? YMCA College. Why? Um, yeah, YMCAC, yeah, so... Is um, it still open today? Uh, no, it eventually closed. Uh-huh. But when you sat in a class, if you're American, you're the minority. You may be the majority in there, yes, but the international students were the ones. So they catered to us because mm-hmm. not only were we the majority in the school, but we also had to pay um, international rates to go mm-hmm. there. So... While the students were paying uh, maybe um, uh, maybe fifty sixty dollars for a class mm-hmm. as foreign students, we were 50, paying fifty sixty dollars for a class. Yeah. While we're paying three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars for a class. But the international students had to pay like say fifty dollars for a credit hour. So. Um, if I had a class that was three, three credits, credits, that's oh, one fifty. Okay, because okay, I'm like, and you had to. Take, but that was out of state fees. Exactly, because because out of state from, fees are like in the thousands now. Exactly. So like, wow. um, If I have, and you had to have twelve credit hours. Oh, what a time! To so be that my <laughs> class would, each time I registered for my twelve credit hour, be paying anywhere between six and seven hundred, while the students <sighs> who live here. Um, their whole class may come to 150, 200 period. That's nothing compared to now. And then you buy your books and transportation and food mm-hmm. and all of that. So most students that came, they had means. Yeah. There were a lot of people from Africa, young men. They were some of them were uh, royalty. Mm-hmm. Some of them, their parents were very well to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, we had Persian. We had Greek, we had Iranian, we had um, God, um, Spanish. I had a lot of Spanish friends. I had a lot of friends from Haiti. And it's hard to keep in touch with these people. Thank God for Facebook. But did you yeah. find yourself in touch with any of these people? Sometimes I do. I just get my um, old book and I call and sometimes I find them. And I've found teachers and I've found other students mm-hmm. on, the, on the Facebook. Yeah. Okay. So, when did you get saved and start going to church? Um, It's so funny because uh, when I lived in Jamaica, we went to church um, religiously. As a little girl, my mother sent us all to church. Mm -hmm. We would go to the gospel hall for Sunday school, Mm -hmm. and she did not attend the gospel hall, and my father didn't. But she sent us to the gospel hall, for the Sunday school that was mm-hmm. there. We'd have Sunday school, and we'd leave the gospel hall. On our way there, we would uh, I would pass my godfather's um, shop, mm-hmm. and we'd go in and we'd buy snack, and he'd give me snack and charge everybody else. 
And then we would go to my mother church. We ate that and went to my mother church. And my mother church would be going when we get there. And that would go maybe till one o'clock. And uh, from her church, we would go home, have dinner, play a little, and then get ready and go back to the evening service. And so I had that in my background. But then when my mother left and came and I, you know, I had some time with my aunt, um, I started to go to um, another gospel hall church. And from there is when I started realizing that I needed to be saved from all those vacation Bible school and all those Sunday school classes. I, uh, I said the sinner's prayer but it wasn't really, it didn't come alive until when I came here. And it's so funny, the church that I attended when I came here was Union Evangelistic Baptist Church in Illinois. And I came and the gospel was very real to me. And that's when I decided, okay, I'm gonna get serious about this. And that's when I joined the church and I got saved and I baptized. I got baptized there. So what made you want to become a pastor? Um, well, um, and I did when did you feel like you, I like how old were you when you were? I'll leave the old part out. But um, I didn't always want to become a pastor, but in the church I started teaching. I started teaching um, um, uh, Sunday school mm-hmm. and nursery and all of that and teaching was already I believe very natural for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. so I kind of just enjoyed it and I began to just you know treat it like I was a real teacher <laughs> so mm-hmm. I made my lesson plan and I have everything ready so when I go Sunday morning they were looking at me like I don't believe this I'm in school again <laughs> the kids would look at me and you would be there some of the time. And um, <clears throat> I just kind of um, it just kind of became a desire when I started um, paying more attention to the gospel and realizing how much I didn't know and realizing that people didn't know it either when you ask questions, even to seasoned uh, believers they didn't know anything Mm -hmm. about the Bible or about the scripture. And I started Mm -hmm. feeling like, you know, there is a void, there's a need for people who can study the scripture and really help people, not just preach at them, not just give them, um, you know, um, what they've heard, but revelational word. And so Mm -hmm. I began to pay more attention and I sensed and realized that the Lord was really preparing me and equipping me and people started calling me pastor and I'm like I'm not a pastor but it kept calling me that and then um, I had the uh, opportunity to go to Bible school mm-hmm. and I went to Bible school not because I wanted to be a pastor but because I more. wanted to learn more about the Bible and understand the word of God because I wanted to go more and more but I didn't really understand much and then when I would ask, the answers that I would get weren't, weren't going the, to what you needed. Yeah, and they could not really explain a lot of scriptures to me because I was, you know, always curious about, um, about scripture. Mm-hmm. So that's when I, I started going to the Bible school and then eventually um, it went from being an exhorter then from an exoter to um, being somewhat of an evangelist and then um, a minister. Mm-hmm. And uh, from the minister, I went to, um, this, you know, through the program in our church for the ordination. Mm-hmm. And um, I was ordained. And then when I was being ordained, um, you know, I was bestowed the, um, how would you say, the, the um, honor and the privilege to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. Are you confident you'll go to heaven? Yes, I'm confident about that because heaven is a real place. Mm -hmm. And um, heaven, I mean, we always say we'll go to heaven, but we know that it begins here. It's an eternal dwelling Mm -hmm. and we are right So can you go if you're just a good person? 
No. Mm-hmm. You cannot go to heaven by so, being a good person. What do you have to be? You have to make a decision mm-hmm. to go to heaven and that decision revolves around whether or not you accept Christ as the way. He's the only way to and God and the only way to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, so, no. Okay, so you have to be saved. So how does someone become saved? Uh, to be saved, the Bible tells you in Romans um, um, chapter, well, the Romans road mm-hmm. is a path that you can take for salvation, a path that you can take to prove to someone that salvation is necessary and you can um, give them all these scriptures but it says that if you um, believe in your heart Mm -hmm. and that Jesus Mm -hmm. came as your savior Mm -hmm. if you believe God sent him and you accept that Mm -hmm. and you confess it out of your mouth this is how you get saved Mm -hmm. by believing and accepting the fact that Jesus is the only way and then say, yes, I accept the way. Okay. And what's your favorite scripture? Um, I've always liked the scripture in Acts chapter um, chapter 2, where it says that they continued. You see, after the coming of the Holy Spirit and the disciples were um, empowered, mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit power, they were so-called anointed. And uh, Jesus was already uh, gone. Mm-hmm. And they were taught, they had the, the Logos word because Jesus spoke with them. And now they have the Holy Spirit to give them the revelation word. They, um, the Bible says they, they preached, they gathered and they preached and they preached and 3,000 people joined the church because they were convicted because now they not only had the word, but they had the power to go forth. And so I love the scripture that says they continued steadfast in the apostles' teaching, in the doctrine, mm-hmm. you know, of the church and in prayer. And um, those are the staples of the church, the staples of being a Christian. You've got to continue in the doctrine. You've got to understand what Jesus says and how it was relayed. And you have to understand how it applies to you and um, to be instant in prayer and to pray continually for understanding and revelation so you gotta pray read your bible you can't just oh, i'm a christian and go on about your business no no yeah okay so um what's your favorite um book of the bible my favorite book of the bible i love the psalms very interesting because there is um there is um meat in the psalms for anything that you want to do if you have to go to court there is scripture about it. If you, you know, um, gonna get married, if you're hungry, if you're sick, whatsoever you're doing, the psalm addresses it. It's a, a wisdom book, and it, you know, it's a worship book. Mm-hmm. It's a book with love. It's a book with everything. It's like a mini Bible. Okay. You know, so I what's, love it. What's your favorite version of the Bible? I like little King Jamesy James. I like some KJV. That's I the like version I like. Well, King I haven't James. read all the versions to say which one I like more than the other, but I tried um, NIV, um, and like that stands NIV. for uh, the New International Version. New International Version. I I tried to read it, and I because I'm so used to King James, it just was kind of mm-hmm. weird to me. So I just kind of gave up, and I said, I'm gonna stick to my King James. Um, well, you know, when I look at the various um, editions of the Bible, I like to know King James. And King James is essential for you to have the original language, the original translation from um, the Hebrew Greek mm-hmm. into St. James, mm-hmm. into um, King James. And so that's good to have. That's a standard. Mm-hmm. But um, you have Bibles that are translation, where they translate word for word. Mm-hmm. You have Bible where the word is just paraphrased. And so I wouldn't be going into the paraphrased Bible. I would stay with the Bibles that are translated word for word or, you know, concept, precept for precept. So then those Bible are more true to the original, Mm -hmm. I find. So which ones are those? I like the New International Version and I like the NIV. And and I always keep King James nearby. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, when I do do reading, and most churches do this, 
they read from the King James and then everybody else will have their other version. Mm-hmm. They will see how it, you know, panel out in, in their version. Okay. Um, what made you start Saving Grace Church of God? Um, Saving Grace Church of God was... Um, I had a vision before and the vision came... Um, years before where I was in a service I I had the vision that I was in a service and um, the uh, pastor just came to me and 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 an evangelist had just preached and he came to me and said "Um, the evangelist is going to prophesy over you and the evangelist came and prophesied over me and said do not take a that was like two weeks before graduating from bible school and the evangelist said um, God says to tell you this and and she says he says you're looking for a job but um, he says I have a job for you uh, do not take a job I want you you're going to be in full time ministry working for me mm-hmm. and um, during that vision after she prophesied for me I left out of the church mm-hmm. and I walked to the door and when I walked to the door there was a silhouette in the glass door and when I looked, opened the door and looked, there was a line of people, just a, a line that I couldn't see the end of people lined up to come in the church. So I opened the door and I let them in and they just came in and they came in and they came in. And then when it was over, I went through the door and uh, there was just a field. And in that field, there was to the right, a table spread with white and I could see it blowing in the wind and there were two ladies standing behind but I knew in my mind they were angels and they had a white sheet of paper in their hand and they beckoned to me to come over when I came over she said this is yours she gave me the paper and she says take this and fly and the moment I took it from her I began to fly and I I went in and out of the trees and then I saw where I was touching the branches and I went back and I said, now how do I do this because I'm touching the branches? And she was showing me how to do my hand and do my feet. Mm-hmm. And then when she was done, I went and I started flying. Mm-hmm. So I've always um, pictured myself letting people into the kingdom of God. I've always pictured that I need to open the door for them. And so um, in the church, I did everything I could possibly do to assist the pastor, to uh, assist the ministry I've taught, Sunday school, Bible studies, children's church. I've been in the praise team. I've been in the choir. I've, um, I've um, been on the leadership team. I've been on the administrative team. I have taught Bible school. I've done everything in the church. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, um, I started, the Lord was telling me to, um, you know, kind of like, you know, put yourself in a position, separate yourself. And I did a sabbatical. And during that time, um, you know, I felt like I needed to change uh, a position. And I mean, I was already ordained. Mm-hmm. I was already ordained uh, uh, a minister and a pastor. But that's when I got the calling for saving grace mm-hmm. and I said Lord what am I gonna name this and you know when you know, you're thinking about that you're thinking about different things and I said Lord I don't want to come up with my own name I want you to name this so that I you know I know I'm not the one that's doing this and I asked that and um, I went to sleep and about um, five in the morning I knew I was still sleeping and I heard saving grace, call it saving grace. Mm -hmm. And I woke up and I wrote it down. And so then I started right away to study what is saving grace? What is this all about? You know, I mean, I know you're saved by grace. Then I went in the Bible and it's uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8. And I'm like, okay. And I started to study that. And um, that's how I, I got the name. Okay. All right. And um, so how do you have so much faith? Like, Well, you know, the Bible says if you have 
as much as a mustard seed. You don't have to have great faith. You begin with where you are. You begin with the little that you have. You have, first of all, you're given faith to be saved. Mm -hmm. And so I had that faith to be saved. So then I began to build on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you build on that by just studying the word on Saturdays. I used to get up when when you were small to get up and I'd make soup. Mm-hmm. And while the soup was cooking, you would be playing in the house right there in front of me. And I would get my Bible and I would begin to study. And I did this every Saturday for years and years. I just get out a book and I would, um, mm-hmm. you know, grab a, um, I would just grab a, uh, a scripture. Mm-hmm. And from that scripture, mm-hmm. I would, um, you know, begin to study that scripture. I would go in the Bible and, you know, see where it leads me, look at the next scripture. Mm-hmm. So precept upon precept. Mm-hmm. And I kept studying that. And um, whatsoever I would read, it would be new to me. I would believe it. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just take a part of the Bible. You have to accept the whole thing. Right. So... I begin some people to, just take bits and pieces and they're like, oh, I believe this part, but not this part. No, you have to believe the whole thing. And as you believe the whole thing and accept the whole thing, things start coming together. And some things, when I, you know, read it and I was I'm like, what? I begin to scream and jump around the house when I learn what the scripture has. Mm-hmm. The, you know, understand what's in the scripture. So your faith get built up the bible says faith coming by hearing hearing the word of god and you hear it when you read it to yourself you hear it when you um exegese the word you hear it mm-hmm. okay faith comes it comes you don't have to do anything else but get the word and faith comes okay so um what would you say to someone who is skeptical about god or going to church <clears throat> You know, God is not um, surprised if you don't accept him. He's not surprised if you don't worship him because man is in a fallen state. So when people uh, tell me they're atheists, I don't get my feathers ruffled because I know God will meet them where they are. I just get them to um, give it a try, understand that um, God loves you anyway. Even if you're atheist. Even if you're an atheist, because he made you. You are his creation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, instead of um, just selling yourself out so short, go ahead and check the options. Mm-hmm. See what the Bible has. Do your own research. Mm-hmm. And even if you have, you know. And every time I read a book, I, I'm, I'm big on reading biographies. I've read so many. You see, most of the books that are on this side are all people's testimony and biographies mm-hmm. and everyone that says um you know i thought i would just read the bible to be able to argue against it they would get converted because once you start reading the word it becomes alive because scripture has the power to do that to you yeah and so um it, it, you know, it doesn't matter if they don't believe at first, just, you know. What about going to church? Because I know a lot of people say, oh, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there or whatever. And it's like, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you don't go to church for other people. You go to church for you. And it's like, um, I've learned, I've just learned that. And then, you know, people complain. They're like, oh, tithing. They're always asking for money. It depends on what church you go to, what that pastor is focused on. You know, a lot of them are focused on the money and the wrong things. A lot mm-hmm. of them. So, when you're in a church and you feel uncomfortable, that's not the church for you. But you should still keep looking. And even if you find one and it just so happens to be out of state and you have to be virtual and watch through your phone, you do what you got to do because that's where you feel comfortable, you know. But um, it's just like even like with the whole tithing thing. And it's like you guys go to the club and you do all these things. And it's like um, you spend a lot of money in the club. You spend a lot of money. Clothes. Um, buy, you you got your outfit cute. Who knows how many thousand dollars you paid on your outfit, your hair done, makeup, everything, haircut, and you buy all these drinks, these bottles to show off in front of everybody. You 
Um, I mean, you pay to get in. The men pay to get in. The women get in free. In some places, the women have to pay too. But mm-hmm. you pay to get in, and all this money goes towards paying the people that are working there, keeping their lights on, keeping the water going when you have to go to the bathroom, and there's that lady in there that can do whatever you need to hand do candy or whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these things cost money. We in a, we're in a world that is revolved by money. If we could just walk into a church house, have church, and go home no tides that would be great but that's just not an option in the day and age that we're in you know these things cost you want to have the bathroom when you have to go take your little bathroom break during church um you want the lights on or you want to sit in a church that's dark i mean it's just bills have to be paid so you know and pastors have that stress on them Mm -hmm. to be able to provide for the congregation so that things don't go downhill And they have their families and a lot of pastors that don't work anywhere else than the church. They are starving if they don't have members in the church that um, support. And in a regular church, it's just about 20% of the people that pay tithes. No matter how big the church is, it's still only about 25% of the people will come in and give 10% of their earnings. And a lot of them don't know and don't understand, but you know, mm-hmm. it's on the pastor to teach them and it's also on them to listen and mm-hmm. to stick with it. Because you might hear a sermon on tithing one day mm-hmm. and then you tithe for the next two weeks, three weeks, and then after that you fall off and you don't think about it again. So um, sometimes, you know, the pastor sees that there's a need here and they talk about it again. And it's like, we need your help. We can't do this on our own. When people come to the church for help, you know, oh, I'm, I'm about to lose my house or my I can't feed my kids. You know, mm-hmm. the church should be able to take from the tithes to be able to help them and mm-hmm. not turn them away. And yeah, they can't do that if us, the people who are able to help and I mean, if you're just jumping from church to church, you can do an offering, a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever's on your heart to give if you're just visiting a church. But if you say this is your church home and this is where you send people to go because you feel like this is a great church and you feel like this is the place where you're going to be forever, um, you should be tithing. Mm-hmm. That is just, it, it just is what it is. It's a commitment. Mm-hmm. And when you're serious about a commitment, you back it up with action. Mm-hmm. And um, given to the church, you, if you look at it as given mm-hmm. to the pastor, you will never do it because um, uh, pastors are not perfect. And sometimes when you uh, see them, uh, the enemy try to turn you against them. And so you have to realize that they're human too. They have needs. But listen, pastors are not um, allowed to mm-hmm. just take the money in and spend it on themselves. The congregation, nah, the congregation holds them accountable. They have board of directors that hold mm-hmm. them accountable. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, when I went to um, Bible school, um, basically they um, they said, um, you know, basically it's like. Don't um, don't be involved with the money if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. It's they it turns into a business, but you know that's if they're not in it for the right reasons, you know. Yeah. Um. So really quick, um, in ten seconds, what is something you want more than anything? Um, I'd like to have free time mm-hmm. that I can do whatever I want to do. I get up in the morning, and if I want to pray three hours, I could do that. Mm-hmm. If I want to go for a walk mm-hmm. and I want to stop, sit on the bench and uh, sit there for two hours, I can do that mm-hmm. because of, you know, I, I don't have that limitation on my time anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, well, retirement around the corner, so you'll get that yeah, very soon. Yeah, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is the best memory you have? Give it to me in 20 seconds. Best memory that I have. Best thing that's ever happened to you. Best thing that ever happened to me? I think the best thing that ever happened to me was when I um, got accepted to school, got my visa, and went to school. My whole focus was on school. And when school was done, when I thought I was going to be just fine, I was already baptized and in the church. School was done, but I just couldn't have my own way. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord reined me in. And um, I think that's 
probably the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, what is the best advice you could give to the younger generation in 30 seconds? Younger generation, I would want to say to you, keep on living, keep on experiencing life. Things that don't seem important to you right now are getting to be more important as you get older. And there's coming a time when you will have to make a decision. You may be living free now and everything seems so great, mm-hmm. but there's coming a time when you will have to you know, take a left or a right in the road. You cannot mm-hmm. keep going down. And make sure you pick the, the right one. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanna thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you for listening to TTWC, Talking Truth with Camille. And I am glad to have had you, Reverend Margaret Daly, and I hope to see you here again. Thanks.